Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. The title of this sermon is The Unsearchable Riches of Christ. Here's the first half of this two-part study. Uh, as we look at the unsearchable riches of Christ. One of the things we have to ask ourselves is, how does the world see the church, right? Think about that just for a second. How does the world see the church? Well, according to the current administration, the church is the enemy of the state. Department of Homeland Security has put a couple of the uh, Christian organizations on their terror watch list. Others would think that the church would be bigots or racists because they don't support the trans community or the LGBTQIA community, that we're closed-minded because we, we are, are for pro-life, right? Because we go against women's rights, which is funny, it's a contradiction. When you're for women's rights, but then you want women to have to compete against men in sports, it makes no sense. But what they do is they continue this loop on TikTok of bashing the church over and over and over. So this new generation, what they think of the church is, is that they're bigots, they're racist, they're hypocritical, they're judgmental, they're closed-minded. And so that's what the view is of the church of a, of a non-believer, a non-follower of Christ. But what about you, the churchgoer? What do you believe the nature of the church is? Think about that just for a second. Is the nature of the church... You're here to serve me? Is the nature of the church, I'm supposed to have sports for my kids to do? You should have leagues? Is the nature of the church, well, you should have the best dynamic speaker that we should, when we go to the men's retreat, oh, we should get to do 18 holes of golf paid for by the church. That's not the nature of the church. The nature of the church is not to serve you. The nature of the church is you serve others. And we've missed that. The Church of America has actually gotten us completely backwards since the 80s. Ever since we started focusing on bigger buildings, TV, and then it became Internet, and, and we see the, the, the problem that happens is because, okay, well, we need to have football fields. We need to have soccer fields. We need to have entertainment. We need to, and it's all this stuff to try to appeal to all these people. And it's like that's not what is supposed to appeal to them. It's supposed to be the Word of God. I want you to turn to me with, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 28. I want you to get this because this is one of those verses that knocked me in the head this week. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, 
the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the just man made perfect. So what we have here is the church of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn is Jesus Christ. They're gathered around God, the innumerable uh, number of angels at the throne of God. In verse 24, it says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. Why Abel? Abel's offering was temporary. Jesus' offering, the blood of Christ, is forever. Right? And we see that word, new covenant. We talked about that this past Wednesday night, about a new covenant. In verse 25, it says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape uh, who refused him whom... Uh, refused him who spoke on earth, much more will uh, we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he promised, saying, Yet once more I, shall, I, I shake not only the earth, but I also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken. As of the things that are, are made, the, the, the things uh, which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What is the nature of the church? When you walk into the church, are you walking into the church with godly fear? With the understanding that there is a numerous amount of angels that are worshiping God at this moment. The church of the firstborn and you are his bride. Do you think we got it wrong? Do you think we're missing something? We are the body of Christ. And Paul is going to break this down as he goes through this. Because we are to be representing God. We are to glorify him everywhere we go including the church. We are to be holy because he is holy. We are to love others because He first loved us. We are to be known by our love for one another. We are to represent Christ by our forgiveness, our mercy, and our grace towards others. And in these verses, Paul is going to continue to talk about the mystery of the Gospel and the Gospel is to go out to everyone. But as we come to worship God, as we come to the, to the church, do we come with the right heart this morning? Do we come in thinking about things that are happening on Tuesday with work? Could we lay those at His feet as we come in the doors and worship Him? See, the mystery of the Gospel is the Gospel's for all. He talks about them being partakers and heirs. We talked about that last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. And we talked about how Paul received that through special revelation. Paul being at the time Saul of Tarsus who was hit on the road to Damascus and who was given, uh, um, uh, given a new teaching from Jesus Christ himself, a new special revelation in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor I was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about this today. If, if, if a pastor or somebody received a special revelation through vision, through the written word, or even if Jesus Christ appeared himself to him and gave it to him, what would happen today? Because this is what the real nature of the church is. Oh, um, I need to write a book. 
And then once the book's written, I need to go on tour. I need to do interviews. I need to hit all the podcasts. I need to hit TV. I need to be on radio. Uh, can we put some merchandise together? Maybe some t-shirts and stuff that we can sell. While we're at it, let's create a conference. And I'll be the, the main speaker. And all the speakers will speak on the things that are out of my book. See, that's what happens when somebody receives a special revelation today. They make it about themselves. Paul did not do that. Paul, what we learn from Paul's life, and I would pray, if, you, if you're struggling with humility, study Paul's life. Paul's life was a, was a, a walk in humility. And, and as we look at this, we, we look at Paul is going to break down some things that are going to probably blow your mind today about the church and what the true nature of the church is. So our first point, the mystery and the manifold of the wisdom of God, we see Paul's humility right off the bat in verse 8. To me, who am I? To me, whom, who I am less. I knew I was going to mess that up. I messed it up every time I read it yesterday. To me, who I am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. So Paul humbly, immediately says he's least of all saints. This is Paul. Paul on the road to Damascus who's destroying the church. The new church of, of the way by Jesus Christ as the new church is being birthed, he's trying to do everything he can to destroy it. He's, he's having people put to death. He's having people put in prison. I mean, families are being destroyed. Homeless. And, and Paul did not believe, as smart as he was, he missed the Messiah. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so you see him say this, and, and you'll see Paul do this quite a bit as he says the least of all saints. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, This is faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He's like, I, I was trying to destroy the church. This brand new thing, the way I was trying to destroy it. And so he sees himself as the chief of sinners. Now, when you share your testimony, you don't have to go into the chief of sin. Like, oh, I'm the chief of sin. No. You, and try, remember, your testimony is about Jesus. Okay? Sometimes what we do is we get into these, well, I remember when I used to deal, and then I, I did this, and then this happened, and this guy came, and, and it's like, no, just keep it. Hey, I, before Christ, I committed adultery. I was a bad husband. I was verbally abusive. Wasn't a good man, but God. Keep it simple. You don't need to go into the detail little thing and, and do all of that. So we'll just remember that. So you see Paul say, just chief sinners. He didn't go into any details. Just I'm a chief sinner, right? Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, he says, For though I'm, I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He's like, I'm not going to boast. Paul had a, just, just this radical testimony, and, and Paul's like, I'm not, I'm not here to talk to you about that. I'm here to talk about Christ. That's where his heart was. See, that's why we have to be very careful not to get puffed up and built up in ministry. It's easy to do that. you got to be careful. Let me tell you something. You are not that important, and neither am I. I can walk out here, the flagpole fall on me, and I'm gone. And guess what? Jimmy will be here next week. And you'll go, man, Jimmy's a pretty good teacher. God will continue the work. You know, we, when we get puffed up and we think we're all that, we have to be very careful 
Because, man, it's, we are to bring glory to God. And that's what Paul always did. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God dealt to each one a measure of faith. To think soberly. So when, when Paul is going to start building the body, as, as the church is being built and the body of Christ is being built, Paul is trying to let them know like this new mystery. Like it doesn't matter that you're Jew or Gentile. The Jews aren't more special than the Gentiles, and the Gentiles aren't special, more special than the Jews. And the new believers aren't more special than the old believers, and the old believers aren't more special than the new. Well, just because you've been in a church for 30 years, God appreciates your service. God appreciates you being there. But when you try to hold something over somebody, and, and you think you have uh, more power than you should have, you, know, that's, that's, you need to be very careful of that. That's why we aren't supposed to think so highly of ourselves. You need to remember that it was God who saved you. God knows you, and God knows you now. You may be able to put something on and look nice and go, man, that dude's got it together. No, you don't. He knows you. He knows you don't have it together. You need to remember that. It's okay. That's why well, we have grace. That's why we have confession of sin. And he's saying, look, be dependent on me. Don't allow yourself to be puffed up. Stay humble. King David was that way. In 1 Chronicles 17, 16, it says, Then King, King David went and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? That's, that's a place of humility. Because he's saying what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 is, and, he, and he made you alive who were dead in, in trespasses and sins. He's like, don't forget where you came from. What God did in your life. That you're covered by the blood of Christ. That your eternity is secured. And who gets the glory for that? Not you. We are to be humble. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as I elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness and long suffering paul was a a, a humble person and and a, and a great story he was the top dog in jerusalem at the time when he was saul of tarsus he was getting ready to be the chief priest at some point he was that smart and then he was humbled on the road to damascus and everything he thought he knew he didn't and let me tell you something when you get puffed up with pride don't don't feel bad when when you get kicked off the horse the same way Paul did. It, it's the reality of it. It's like we need to remember our, our, our whole soul responsibility as a church and as individuals is to bring glory to God. That's it. That's it. To worship God, to know His Word, to serve others, to love others, and bring glory to God. It says, To me, who am I, the, the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so Paul is going to again get into grace. He, he talked about it back in verse 2 and, and again in verse 7. And simply grace is undeserved. We didn't do anything to, uh, to, deserve, it, to deserve it. Uh, we can't demand it. Like you can have somebody who grew up in the church and, and they become a pastor and you go, man, that guy earned that grace. No, you can have a, a person who grew up in the streets that has no educational background and can be a better pastor. 
It's all grace. It's all grace. And God's the one who, 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 who uh, dishes that grace out. It's Christ. It's, it's, and, and thank God we have grace. And that was one of the things that, that Paul preached about was, was grace. He's preaching about the pure grace. He talks about the unsearchable riches. So as he preached among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And that word unsearchable in the Greek simply just means endless. Uh, unexhaustible or too, too great to fully understand. Now, I'm sure in your head you probably thought riches, money, Right? But if you think, well, you could take Gates and Soros and Bezos and Musk, and it, it's not even scratching the surface. The streets are paved with gold in heaven. But every one of you that are giving your heart to Christ, you understand the poverty. The poverty. Meaning that you are separated from a holy God by your sin. And so you have a, a taste of what that, that, that unsearchable riches uh, of Christ is because He forgave you. Because you understand the poverty. You understand that you were on a path to hell. Going to be consumed by fire. But God. And Jesus came and died on the cross for us and died for the sins of the world and defeated death. And, and now you understand a little bit of the unsearchable riches of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You now have access to God. That's another part of those riches. You're one of His children. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold what manner of, of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that, we, uh, that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him like He is. We also understand the spiritual blessings. Paul talked about this in the very beginning. That's part of his, the, the unmeasurable riches of, of Christ is, is those spiritual blessings in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with... Not some spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's like we, we should be praising Him all the time. And I know we go through trials and tribulations, but we need to be looking for those moments of praise. Those moments where we see God's blessing. Where we see an answered prayer. And we get those praise reports. Man, praise God. That spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. God is, is, is trusting us to, to serve and, and, and be part of His ministry. And man, what, what riches there are in that. And we miss that at times. He tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, as His divine power has given to all things, to all, us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Every time I read that, I think to myself that God has granted me some type of of knowledge and, 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 and understanding that I didn't have before. How many of us picked up a Bible at some point in our life and go, and you couldn't understand it, you couldn't read it, you couldn't concentrate because the devil had such a grip on you. And now he's like, I'm going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, show you how to live a life of godliness and through the knowledge of Him. 
the spiritual blessings, the poverty of, of understanding who you were before Christ and now you're saved, the knowledge that's revealed to you, a life of godliness, and He calls us by His glory and His virtue. And it's, it's all part of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, you know, we could sit and try to think about it all day long and we wouldn't even scratch the surface because it's unsearchable. And it says in verse 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That term, make all see, that actually in the Greek means to give light. It's, it's the same word that's used for photo in the Greek, to make all see. And, and so one of the things I love when I read that verse, the first thing I think of is Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So that mystery that's going out to the Gentiles, now they understand that Jesus is the light. He is the light. And, 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 and through that, he goes on to say, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. It's been revealed now. And it refers to in, in the way that the, that the Lord is going to draw the Jews and the Gentiles together in unity. Now, trust me on this. God is not done with Israel. Because a lot of people will teach this and they'll say, well, God is done with Israel. It's, the new, it's about the new church now. And those are theological debates that happen. But, you know, when you read and get into end times, you see that there are going to be a great number of Jews that come to faith. And do you realize that right now there's a great number of Jews that don't believe in God, that live in Israel? You go do tours there. And they're trying to figure out, why are you doing tours? They don't even believe in Jesus. And a lot of them have become agnostic, you know. And, and some of them believe that, hey, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a Jew, I'm good. Nothing else I need to do. And, and, and so understanding what is happening here is what he's talking about is he's talking about the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles. He's created all things through Christ Jesus. And that mystery that he's going to reveal, which we, we know is no mystery now at this point because we've understood it, is that the, the truth of, of the gospel is to go out. And it's to go out to everyone. That's what he's charged us to do. And he tells us in verse 10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. So the manifold wisdom of God actually... Um, one of the terms that's used there as manifold is uh, it actually deals with colors, different colors in the Greek. But one of the things I love is when I think about that, I think about Joseph's tunic, right? It was a, a, a coat of many colors in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. And so what this means is, is the manifold wisdom of God is uh, he's saying that everybody is going to come together in harmony. Who's, who can come to the church? Everybody. Everybody. Who's welcomed in the church? Everybody. Who can follow Jesus Christ? Anybody. And you'll have people that will, will question that or try to figure out why, you know, that's possible. You know, how can the Son of Sam come to faith? Or Jeffrey Dahmer. They've, they've come to know Jesus Christ. And you look at what they did prior to and you go, God can forgive anybody. The church is for everybody. That's why the head of the Satan, I don't know if he was the head of the Satanist church, but he was one of the heads of the Satanist church. Had, <laughs> Lord showed up on him and woke him up. He had that, he's got that big old tattoo that comes down with the arrow. 
And now he's a follower of Jesus Christ. The light's been revealed to him. Can you imagine that dude walking into church on a Sunday? Like, dude, you were just preaching that you you were following. Man, I, God showed up. He's welcomed in the church. The church, this is where part of the, when we talked about the nature of the church, part of the nature of the church is it's for everybody. That's the beauty of this church. I remember I told y'all it's supposed to look like H-E-B or Walmart. You have different ethnicities, different ages, different, uh, you know, um, man, you get skaters in here. You get, I mean, you get all kinds of stuff. This is the cool thing about the church. But what, what brings us together is Jesus Christ. It's the manifold wisdom of God, that mystery uh, that is to be made known to the church. And it's God that draws us together through His Son, Jesus Christ. But He says something here that's very important that we catch. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. Now, there are a lot of teachings on, on this particular piece here. And, and the principalities and the powers in heavenly places, what he's talking about is the different rankings of angels in the armies of heaven. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you have to teach them? Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 